What's going on guys? Welcome back to the show. Today we're talking a little bit about tracking. We're gonna be comparing the arguments for and against tracking just your calories and your protein versus tracking all of the macronutrients, your protein, your carbs, and your fats, and maybe having individual goals for each of those versus just tracking to a calorie goal with a protein target and kind of letting carbs and fats fall where they may. And so again, if you know, if if you're somebody who's ever tracked calories or wants to get into tracking calories, you've probably come up against this question of like, should I track all the macros? Should I track calories and protein? There's people who discuss the pros and cons of both sides. I'm gonna do my best to kind of steel man both arguments and just kind of pose at the end. You'll you guys will kind of hear my opinion if you don't know it already. Um but if ca- tracking calories is not something you're interested in or it's a, if it's a triggering conversation for you, this is just probably isn't the podcast for you. We're gonna be comparing tracking calories and protein versus all of the macros. And so let's set the scene a little bit with this introduction portion of the podcast here. Let's start with a few key points, a few important things I would hope we could all agree on slash maybe information that you don't know for sure that now you will learn. Number one, when calories and protein are equated, when we look at the research and you have two groups, one of them maybe eats high carb, the other one eats low carb, but calories, total calories and total protein are equated We see the same body composition changes, the same amount of fat loss between these groups. And so when calories and protein are equated, we see, you know, somebody, one of the arguments might be that it's not exactly the same, but let's say for, you know, opening argument's sake, we see roughly the same body composition change, fat loss, muscle retention during a calorie deficit phase. And so at first glance, if they are the same when calories and protein are equated, you'd have to kind of come to the conclusion of like, well, if I can get away with or get the same benefit by tracking less things and just track my calories and protein, which seem to be the the only variables that matter, or at least the ones that matter, you know, by and large the most, the onus is really on the, you should track all the macros group to convince the average person why it's important to do so and not just calories and protein, if carb to fat ratios don't matter in a lot of this research when calories and protein are equated. So I hope that made sense. You know, if we look at the research, by and large, on the whole, calories and protein equated, people are going to see the same results in terms of body composition change. And so if that's true, and we could, you know, we're gonna talk about some of the arguments maybe for and against that. If that's true, then the onus has to be on the track the macros group to convince the calories and protein group, because why would I track more things when I could track less things? And some other things that we'll just assume to be true for the sake of this podcast is that tracking less metrics provides more flexibility. I think we think that we're all on the same page of that. If I track less stuff, that's probably both uh, easier to sustain long-term, but also provides me some actual uh, flexibility within my diet, which we'll talk about a bit more. Um, You'd have to have a benefit or a reason to track more things than you need to. And again, if we're assuming that just calories and protein are what matter most or, or potentially at 100%, um, for a body composition change, you'd have to have a reason to track more than just that. And so again, that onus falls on the, you should track all the macros group to, to pose a uh, reason f- to do so. Um, you know, you're only tracking things. Think about it. You're, you're only tracking calories. Like you're only tracking anything at all, right? The only reason you track something is because you value the benefit of doing so versus not doing so. And I know that a lot of those those three sentences are pretty synonymous, Some of them are even redundant or rhetorical, like, duh. But I think all in all, you do things because they provide a benefit or an an additional benefit to not doing that. You don't just do it for the fuck of it. Like if if you could accomplish X by doing Y or Y plus Z and you get the same results, so why would you do the Y plus Z if you could just do the Y, like for example? Again, you'd have to strongly consider that. So 
Again, we'll finish up this intro here. If we agree that tracking calories and protein provides more flexibility to adopt an eating pattern that more closely reflects what you enjoy most, basically, if you like eating slightly higher fat or slightly higher carb, you would be afforded that flexibility a bit more, especially on a day-to-day basis to kind of fluctuate between those two a little bit, so long as calories and protein are equated. Um, you can do this by more intentionally letting you know foods you enjoy guide your food choices without nitpicking your carb-to-fat ratio. Um, And again, it also simply involves tracking less things, which is inherently going to be more sustainable um, for basically everybody. And I'm probably speaking to more so the average person here, not professional athletes and stuff, which we will address actually within this podcast. Um, So the the track all the macros argument must have some added benefit that is at least as important, if not more important, to some people, then the added flexibility, which can lead to greater sustainability of just tracking calories and protein, right? You'd have to have a reason to track something, track more than the other group. There has to be a reason, a benefit to do so. And I think that it's, there There will be benefits that we will list, potential benefits, they will, we will. But it's, it's it goes under discussed that we should take those benefits and compare them to the potential added flexibility and sustainability uh, benefits of just tracking calories and protein, let's say. And I feel like that goes massively under-discussed. People will be like, well, look at this benefit over here of tracking all the macros. And it's like, yeah, but let's compare, well, what are the cons of doing that versus the pros of doing this? We have to weigh both sides of the equation and make more of a a summation, more of a, 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 a come to a conclusion at the end of that based on the pros and the cons, not just, oh my God, this one thing is important. Okay, I have to do that. And so let's start with what are even the remote potential benefits of tracking all the macros. And I will say before we start that it will be my opinion generally that I think the average person should just track calories and protein. And so I'm going to do my best to go in deep and really steel man the argument of tracking all the macros here. So let's talk about what are even the remote potential benefits that one could even bring up in discussion. And then we will break them down and we'll do the same for calories and protein. So number one, what is one of the potential benefits of tracking all the macros is it ensures basically having a carb and fat goal will ensure that this person, your client, yourself does not go too low on either of those macros, right? And we can think of, you know, these, excuse me, these sorts of pros as potential cons on the flip side, right? Everything that is a pro for counting your carbs and your fats is a con for not counting your pro, your carbs and your fats. And so one of the biggest benefits that I, again, we'll talk about, I 100% agree with, is counting all the macros ensures that you will not go too low on carbs or fats. And we'll talk about what that means and potential downsides and does that really matter and all of that stuff in a bit. Number two, tracking all the macros and not going too low on the above carbs and fats will affect fat loss or overall body composition. Now, I made a point earlier that it doesn't, but this is at least something you could say that would be up for discussion and we will discuss. Number three, tracking all the macros, namely eating enough carbs can help you maximize performance and thus muscle gain and ret- or retention and thus has an indirect effect on body composition. Basically, if you're, uh, by tracking all the macros and having a specific carbohydrate goal, you can specifically eat more carbs, which will help you train harder, which will help you build or retain more muscle, which will, at the end of the day, change the way you look. Again, I will discuss my thoughts on these, uh, these arguments in a bit. Um, and number four, tracking the macros is more accurate because sometimes the macros don't add up to my calories in my fitness pal. It's something you'll hear very often 
If you, you know, look at your calories in MyFitnessPal, it'll say 2,000, but you you count up all the macros and it's like, you know, 2,075 or 2,100 or something like that. It's slightly different. And so, hey, and it's not just different, the macros will end up being technically more accurate uh, most of the time. And so let's break down each of those arguments and let's also view these again as like potential cons for tracking calories and protein because there'll be things that we can't do if we're just tracking calories and protein. And so number one is, we talked about it, is tracking all the macros ensures that you don't go too low in carbs and you don't go too low in fat. Basically, if you have a carb and a fat goal, then you're not gonna go underneath it. And if you don't have a carb and fat goal, you might not know that you're under eating carbs. You might not know that you're under eating on fat. Now, how, what do I think of that argument? You know, I actually think it's a legit argument in theory. I think that if you have a client who is, uh, you know, if left to their own devices, would intuitively eat really, really mega, mega low carb, basically keto, or they would intuitively eat mega, mega low fat. They have just like an inherent fear of a certain macronutrient. They've been taught that fat is bad and they just avoid all avocado and all cheese and all uh, nuts and all of that stuff. Um, or if you have somebody who's definitely afraid of carbohydrates and will avoid them at all costs if left to their own devices without a goal, you can discuss this with them, and I think that that is, in theory, a, a big benefit. I, I will say, though, again, I work with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, and this is just really, really, really unlikely. It is highly unlikely that you leave a client to their own devices, you have them just track calories and protein, and just intuitively, by being guided by foods they eat, that they enjoy eating, that they will intuitively go keto or go mega, mega, mega low fat. Now, there's a follow-up question of, is going keto even bad? I mean, is if somebody intuitively, by just tracking calories and protein, generally shifted towards a really high fat intake and a lower carbohydrate intake, is that actually something bad? I would say mostly no. And so there goes one of those potential downsides. We're like, dude, if I have a client who's tracking calories and protein and nailing it, and they're really focused on food that they like, and they happen to naturally uh, kind of trend over to the higher fat side of things, maybe even into a full-blown ketogenic side of things, but that is the way they like to eat, and that is how they will be the most consistent and adherent, and calories and protein don't suffer, I would take that. I mean, we'll talk about this a bit more, but we are in a you know situation where sustainability is the biggest problem we need to solve, not going too low on carbs, not going too low on fat. It's getting a client to sustain this, and so, allowing the client to more likely kind of uh, match the way they like to eat um, or, you know, eat more foods that they like or be more driven by foods they like instead of, oh, I have to hit the specific carbon fat ratio. Chances are that's going to bring more people uh, more success because there's more flexibility for them to match their macro intake to the way they prefer eating and allow it to change day to day, which we'll talk about a bit more. So tracking all the macros ensures you don't go too low on carbs or fats. Yeah, technically that's true. If you have somebody who's deathly afraid of either macro and will not eat the macro if you don't make them eat the macro, um, then this is one way to ensure that that won't happen. But it's highly unlikely, basically never ever happens if you just let somebody track carbs and protein. You know, if, you, if somebody just tracks calories and protein, nobody's gonna go to 0.1 grams of fat per pound. No one's gonna never eat a carbohydrate again. But if that is the circumstance that you're in or your client is in, then okay, this is a reason for you to give them some sort of minimum goal for those carbs and fats. Um, cool. Anything else on that before we move on? Yeah, this argument I think conceptually makes a lot of sense. It just practically does not play out this way. People do not intuitively eat keto. They don't intuitively eat super low fat. They intuitively probably eat a moderate amount of both. 
maybe skewing to one side of that equation that to a higher ratio of one versus the other, but not into the extremes. I mean, it's just by the nature of statistics, it's unlikely that people are going to skew intuitively to the extremes. Reason number two, tracking all the macros and not going too low will affect fat loss and overall body composition. Uh, it's untrue. Uh, I'd say, I would have to say this is an untrue statement. Um, and we'll talk in number three about how carbs can improve performance. And we'll get into some of that. And it's a little bit less black and white. But we just have so much research where when calories and protein are equated, the results from a body composition perspective are so unbelievably similar that it probably just falls so far down the pecking order that it is, I would say, just untrue that people are not going to get notably different results with different macro intakes if calories and protein are equated. Now, you could say number three is, hey, ma making sure somebody eats enough carbohydrates is going to make sure that they have optimal performance which is gonna make sure that they get the best muscle growth, which over, the, which over you know, indirectly can affect muscle growth and retention, and thus the way somebody looks. Obviously, we're talking about body composition changes here. Um, this is technically true, um, but by an amount that, in my opinion, is insignificant compared to the benefit of not needing to micromanage carbon-fat ratios and let yourself eat a pattern that more aligns with how you prefer to eat, which will likely be more sustainable, which I think is orders of magnitude more important than this benefit. Besides, let's just take the scenario here. It's like, okay, someone's like, hey, you're not tracking how many carbs you're eating. Okay, and then someone is like, well, if you ate a high amount of carbs, you could get the most benefit from your training. Number one, you don't know that this person isn't eating enough carbs. You don't know that they're not eating a high carb diet. They very well might be. And I think most people are gonna skew uh, on a spectrum of more carb, more fat, probably towards a slightly higher carbohydrate diet just based on regular eating patterns on average. Of course, not totally a 100% generalization here. Um, but the biggest scenario where what you're saying could have an impact um, you know, is if we if we count the macros, specifically carbs, we can make sure we're eating an optimal amount for muscle growth. Like that's the argument. It's like, hey, if I'm tracking all the macros, I can specifically target car enough carbohydrates to make sure I'm getting the most out of my training. Um, a couple thoughts on that. You know, if you just count calories and protein, are you gonna eat mega low carb? Like, are you actually, is this actually gonna be an issue? Almost certainly not, number one. Like almost 100% not. Most likely you're gonna eat a moderate amount of carbohydrates. And I think there's another argument of if you're just like a regular person doing hypertrophy style training, looking to, you know, improve body composition, get stronger, and you're not doing like six days a week CrossFit or like really high intensity work or serious endurance work, you're not uh, an athlete, let's say, um, you're somebody who's trying to do well in your training and and, and grow muscle, and, and uh, even regular people trying to optimize, I still think are in this category because I still think the, the even a regular person trying to optimize still fights a more uphill battle with sustainability than like, oh, if I had 50 more carbs per day, I'd really see a benefit. Um, and so likely most people aren't gonna go keto intuitively. Uh, and even if they did, people still see muscle growth, calories and protein equated. And number two, I don't think the average person's training regimen requires a super high carbohydrate intake. If you're doing regular hypertrophy training, it's like you're at the end of your like 60 to 75 minute hypertrophy training is not even depleting your muscle glycogen stores that much. Like you, you, you know, there are circumstances, athletic circumstances, training regimens where it's more and less important to be hitting high, really high, really optimal amounts of carbohydrates. I don't think the person on the other end of this podcast is that person. I don't even think I'm that person. You know, the difference for me between a moderate amount of carbohydrates that I will likely eat 
if left to my own devices, and a high amount of carbohydrate that I could eat if I really specifically counted towards it, the performance difference I think is null. The overall benefit over the long term I think is null. I just genuinely think you will never actually amount to a practical amount, a tangible amount that you would actually see. And on the flip side, I would get, again, the benefits of not having to track that, being more flexible, being able to have a high fat day if I feel like it. We'll talk about those benefits in a little bit. Um, anything else? Um, okay, quick recap on that one. Um, I don't think people are gonna intuitively eat too low of carb. I think people will intuitively eat just a relatively moderate amount or frankly, probably skew higher towards carbs. But even if they didn't, people can still grow on keto. And you have to weigh this small, potentially like theoretical, by the way, theoretical benefit in body composition up against the, the benefits and pros of tracking just calories and protein. I think when you do that, this context is, shrinks to a, an amount that I just don't think overrides the flexibility benefits of just tracking calories and protein. Uh, alrighty, next one. Tracking the macros is more accurate since sometimes the macros don't add up to the calories in my fitness pal. So again, basically, if you count up your macros, you have 100 grams of protein, 100 grams of carbohydrate, and 50 grams of fat, that's gonna be 1,250 calories. I'm just making that up, not, not a suggestion, by the way. Um, and you might get 1,250 calories, but when you look at the calories in my fitness pal, it says 1,200, right? It's giving you a different number. It's not actually doing the perfect math like you just did. And I've had this before where I take on a client who's been tracking the macros and they moved tracking calories and they are getting mentally tripped up because there's a difference there. And that that pursuit of perfection and that pursuit of, uh, in my opinion, almost an arbitrary level of accuracy, which we'll talk about in a second, is actually one of the big reasons to just get away from this sort of precision um, and maybe this is a controversial uh, st statement slash position to take here. Who gives a fuck about being 100% accurate? Now, listen to me. I'm not saying you should not weigh stuff and just eyeball and, and just guess and who cares about even trying to be remotely close. That's not what I'm saying. But if you think the calories that you're tracking in MyFitnessPal are 100% accurate, if we took all of your food, we put it in a bomb calorimeter and we found the exact calories of all your food, I promise you, it is different than what you are tracking for a number of reasons. You know, we have food label discrepancies. You know, FDA allows for up to 20% off food labels. You have restaurant estimates on their menu. You have, you know, different ripeness of a food can change the calorie content. Um, changes in cooking method, whether you boil something or bake something or fry something can change the calorie content that you end up consuming. Cook, you know, do, are you tracking stuff that's raw versus cooked? Are you counting all your green vegetables or not? Are you counting, you know, are you tracking stuff that uses net carbs? Like there is a ton, don't get me, like you need to hear this. There is a ton of variability baked into tracking calories, tracking macros, whatever you want to do. Tracking your food intake has an inherent high amount of variability baked in. But guess what? That doesn't matter either because if the methods are consistent, then the results are reliable. Listen to that again. If the methods are consistent, then the results are reliable. You don't need 100% accurate. You won't ever get 100% accurate. What you need is consistent enough methods that the data you get is reliable, that you can judge, make deductions from that data. You can say, hey, my methods are so consistent that I know that what I'm eating, whatever number I'm tracking is causing X. It's causing my weight to go up. It's causing my weight to go down. It's causing maintenance, whatever. You don't 
need, nor will you ever actually get 100% accurate macro data. It's not accurate. There's too much inherent uh, variability baked in here. And so your pursuit of perfection is already a fool's errand. It's just not possible. You should pursue reliable data via consistent uh, habits, consistent methods. And so if you find out that when you track all the, the macros, you and then you compare it to the calorie number in MyFitnessPal or whatever app you're using, that consistently the number you get when you count up all the macros is higher, right? So you're like, hey, I got 1550 when I count up all the macros, but it says 1480 when I look at the calories. Chances are it will always be off by roughly the same percentage in the same direction over the long term. Again, not every single day because you eat different things. But if you use consistent methods with the way that you track and you're Food is off by a small percentage in the same direction on average over the long term. The numbers you're getting, the data you're accumulating is reliable. You need reliable data. You need to be accurate enough, but more than accurate is you need to be consistent with your methods so you get accurate data. Get Stop getting emotional about the exact number that you're tracking as if it's the exact number that you're eating. It's not. Even if you are the most, most ruthless tracking you know, you're, you're hyper detailed, everything's on a food scale. There is baked in variability that you can't do anything about. Your consistency matters way more than your accuracy. Um, your accuracy totally matters, but we need it to be accurate enough that when we are consistent, it is reliable. Uh, and we need more than anything for those numbers to be reliable, which is basically just means you're at your, the, the ins need to be consistent. The, the left side of the equation needs to be consistent. The methods that are, that are accumulating, that are, that are, have you accumulating this data need to be consistent. And this stressing about, oh my God, the macros are different than the calories. It doesn't really matter because both of those numbers are wrong. Both of them are wrong. What matters is that you're using consistent methods to acquire data and then making judgment on that data of what it's telling you, making deductions, making decisions. I'm gonna end that rant there because I could go on for a long time. I think a lot of just something I haven't talked about on a podcast where people flip a shit when it's not exactly the same. It's like, I don't care if it's off by 7% in the same direction on average over the long term, these numbers are great, super helpful for us. You know, a lot of times, by the way, People, like, they don't understand what I'm saying, but they're the same people who, like, don't track their vegetables or don't track condiments. It's like, uh, you know, then the macro numbers and stuff that you're getting aren't accurate. And you're like, yeah, but I, that's okay, because like, I'm, you know, I'm okay with them being slightly less accurate because they're they're off by the same amount every day. I'm just not tracking my vegetables over the long term. That will yield the same percent difference between what I'm actually eating and what I'm tracking, that these numbers are still reliable. It's the same discussion here. Cool. So what are the benefits of tracking just calories and protein? Again, we'll kind of discuss them in a comparative sense. Um, and, and it's a bit more simple because again, the onus is on the macro group here because I think generally what we're looking at is a very similar, if not identical change in body composition when calories and protein are equated, especially in fat loss. So what are the benefits of tracking less stuff, right? What's the benefit of tracking less things? Well, you have more flexibility. You know, when you go out or times that you have less control over your cooking, you have more flexibility. You can have a higher fat day and a higher carb day back to back. You can have Monday, uh, you know, if you sit down and you're going out to a steakhouse, but you only have 50, cal 50 grams of fat for the day, man, you're eating Greek yogurt and bananas up until you go out because you know you want to get a, a piece of a ribeye and that thing has got 50 grams of fat alone, you know? And so this 
inflexibility of food choice could really come down and play a part. And the ability to have, yesterday was a high fat day, today's a high carb day, today's a moderate carb day, most days are moderate, some days are high this, some days are high that. That added flexibility without the anxiety of, you know how many times I get a message where people are like, hey, I went over my carb macro, but I hit my calories and my protein, does it matter? No, it doesn't fucking matter. And it sure as shit doesn't matter in a one-off, like a day, right? It, it, I would argue it doesn't matter at all for 99% doesn't matter at all. Um, but man, if you're getting stressed out over one of those situations, uh-uh, it's just not worth your stress. Um, and I've tracked the macros for a very long time. And if you are tracking the macros, you have had the experience I'm about to tell you. And if you think you, if you say you haven't, you're probably either lying or you're not recognizing it. But you'll get to the end of the day. Now, maybe not every day, just some days, whatever. And you'll look at my fitness pal and you'll see what macros you have left. You're like, oh, I got 12 grams of protein left. I got 26 carbs. I got nine grams of fat. And you will make a weird meal that you would not have otherwise wanted to eat. Maybe it's still something that's kind of nice. Maybe I'm not saying you're going to eat, you're going to take a tablespoon of oil down the hatch, but you're going to make a weird Frankenstein meal of these macros. When in reality, it would have been way easier for you to look at your calories and protein and be like, hmm, I got 200 calories and I got to get 12 grams of protein, and I can eat anything that meets those requirements. That is way, I mean, it sounds like a not like this crazy big thing, but it is very liberating. It is a microcosm of the added flexibility here, where, you know, you're like, well, I have to have some peanut butter, and I'll have some Greek yogurt, and I'll have some uh, dried mango, and, uh, you know, instead of having way more flexibility, you feel a bit shackled into making this weird Frankenstein meal to hit all three macros instead of having a way broader uh, ability to be flexible and kind of make a meal based on just calories and protein. It, let's just call it what it is. It's a lot easier lifestyle, 100% fact. So if you're coming at the, hey, we gotta eat more carbs because it's better for muscle growth and that's gonna make us look better. Um, you know, we talked about that where like, that's probably not actually a big deal at all for people that are just like regularly hypertrophy training three to five times a week and not, professional athletes, um, but also we're weighing it up against the biggest uphill battle we face, which is consistency and sustainability. Man, there's, for every person out there who probably aren't listening to this, but are very anti-calorie counting, the most extreme form of that is macro counting. I mean, tracking calories and protein, if you've never done it, and we'll talk about this in a bit, but it's 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 unbelievably liberating, in my opinion, for people who have been tracking the macros. It is a step towards, in, again, very generally, I don't wanna make too, because I'll say that there are people who track the macros and they love their life. They're super happy. It works for them. It's great. I totally support you. That's all the reason I make these podcasts is so that you can live a life that you're happy with and have nutritional habits that serve you and all that stuff. I don't actually care what you do. I just want you to, in this case, I'm I'm posing uh, the consideration for tracking just calories and protein here. Um, again, got a little a smidge, a smidge sidetracked there. Um, but I think if you're ranking the way you think about food, food I like and eating patterns I like is just too far down the pecking order, right? When you, like what I'm in the mood for, what I would enjoy is too far down the pecking order when you track all the macros. Because somebody could be like, yeah, but you could adjust your target macros to better meet your average preference of carbs and fats. If you generally like slightly higher fat, then you can program yourself with your macros. You can set your fat macros slightly higher. I, I get that. And actually, that's a good idea. You should totally do that. Um, but what if on that day you feel like going higher carb or you happen to be in, a, in an area or a food situation that 
that calls for a higher carb, or you just fucking prefer to have a bacon wrapped filet, which, which has a ton of fat. And now you're all stressed out because you went over your fat macro. Like, okay, it's not a scenario I would want for people. Um, if calories and protein are equated, I don't think, I just don't believe 99% of people listening to this podcast will ever experience a difference in their physique, but will experience a vast improvement in their quality of life, consistency, sustainability, enjoyment with their food. I just think that the scales aren't even close to being equal here. So who do I think should strongly consider tracking all the macros after all of this being said? Pro athletes, bodybuilders, people trying to absolutely get scrape every percentage of benefit. I made an argument that, you know, uh, I don't think that there'd be a big difference at all for people training for hypertrophy between moderate carb and high carb, um, or at least that argument is so far down the, the, the hierarchy of what's important that I think it is overridden by all the other benefits of sustainability and flexibility that I've said a fucking gazillion times. But pro athletes and bodybuilders and people trying to churn out every percent of benefit, they, they don't care about ROI. They don't care about best bang for your buck strategies. They don't care about what's most sustainable. It's their job to be their best. And what makes these people their best is they check every little box. And I think this is such a little box for the average person, a slightly larger box for these people, totally worth considering uh, 100%. Number two, people who should strongly consider tracking all the macros, people who are truly afraid of a macro and would otherwise undereat them if left to their own devices. Um, I think that that's a fair argument. If you have a client who's like, man, I'm definitely afraid of carbohydrates and I don't think that's serving me. Okay, let's let's push you to track your your carbohydrates so that we can start to unravel some of this fear and start to integrate this into, you know, hopefully what, what becomes a better life for you, which is one that involves, you know, all the macros. Number three is someone who's interested in what their averages look like out of curiosity. So number three is just if you're fucking curious. And I'll tell you right now, if I have a client who tracks calories and protein, once in a while, we're gonna check in with all their macros just to make sure they aren't the person who's intuitively eating no fat or intuitively eating no carbs. Um, and that is why I know after working with hundreds and hundreds of people that that has never happened to me ever. I've never had a client who's like, wow, shit, we're three months into tracking calories and protein. We're like, holy crap, you've been eating 15 grams of fat. Like that's never, ever, ever happened and highly, highly unlikely. But it is worth uh, speaking. It's worth considering. If you're a coach and you are having your clients track calories and protein, I think once in a while popping in and just checking is a good idea. That's the, that's the responsible thing to do. Number four is somebody who's just done it for so long and it's ingrained in them and it's what they know. So people who should strongly consider tracking the macros, pro athletes, bodybuilders, people who don't care about bang for buck strategies, don't care about consistency. They need to do what's absolutely, absolutely best. Even if there's only potential benefit, they need to go for it. Number two, people who are afraid of a macro and genuinely would under eat it and that's not their best life and they wanna work on that. Number three, somebody who is just curious as to what their carbon, carbon fat intakes are for educational purposes, potentially. And number four, somebody who it just already does it and is listening to this podcast and is like, you know what? It's already what I know and I'm happy and it's helping me uh, maintain good health and that's what's important to me and I feel good mentally and all of that stuff checks out. Great, don't don't change, don't change your strategy. That's fine. Um, what I would even say to that person, by the way, is maybe you don't even know how good it could be, how flexible and enjoyable it would be to not have that burden. Uh, maybe you're just like used to having that burden and uh, it'd be still worth maybe considering, but okay. Who do I think should strongly consider just tracking calories and protein? Everyone else, everybody else, everyone else. Um, and then I just wrote some other random thoughts here. I just was kind of like, how would I close this podcast? It's just kind of blurbing. 
Uh, other random thoughts is personally, I would sooner have somebody track their fiber than their carbs and fats. Um, if we're looking at if we're looking at best ROI in terms of return on your effort, return of investment on your effort, calories is number one. It's gonna be the most important thing to track. Proteins number two. I would put fiber above carbs and fats. I think you eating enough fiber and like when we talked about the kind of person who, if they don't track carbs and fats, would under eat carbs or fats. That I don't think is very likely. I do think that there's, uh, I mean, most of our population is not eating enough fiber. And so to, to me, that is a way more important metric to track. And so I would definitely, definitely more strong, more strongly consider. I mean, I've had way more clients track calories, protein, and fiber than ca uh, protein, carbs, excuse me, protein, carbs, and fats. Um, and so I would sooner have somebody track their fiber than carbs and fats. I think it's a way more meaningful metric, frankly. Um, Number two, if you love it, just like random thoughts, if you love it and it's working for you, that's awesome, but that's not an argument for it's better, just to be clear. Um, you know, go nuts and track all the macros and you have my full support because at the end of the day, I just care that you have something that you like, but just remember that that's not an argument for it's better. Uh, I, I like it, you know, that's that's great, by the way, it's awesome. Um, and number three, I, th I find a lot of times that it is a type A personality. It's people without saying it, what they're saying is that it fits my perfectionist mindset and it fits my like need to 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 check every little box and to be the most perfect I could possibly be and what I'll say on that is again I don't want to overstep here but um that's also not a reason uh that's probably the exact person who should consider not doing that and challenging that perfectionism instead of enabling it um those are actually some of the biggest, most, uh, I'm the most proud of a lot of my clients who came to me with that mindset and have unraveled it. Um, not everyone, you get to do what you want. You can decide what's important for you, but you know, it fits my perfectionist mindset is enabling a part of you you might actually wanna be working on. Um, and so again, let's just close this podcast down here. My final thoughts are, while I do believe that most people should strongly consider just tracking calories and protein, if anything at all, right? If if tracking at all is correct. I don't actually care what you do as long as it genuinely works for you. I'm just just in this state of my my content creation and business and coaching where just you should have all the tools. You should understand what the potential pros and cons of certain things are and you should be making decisions based on that. And I think there's a lot of people out here. I mean, there's a lot of people um, tracking calories, pro, uh, protein, carbs, and fats who are feeling overwhelmed and then they switch to calorie protein and it's like, God, it's the craziest amount of added flexibility. Although it's a small change, seemingly, it opens up a big door. It's often a weight off people's shoulders. Um, and so, yeah, that's just been my experience, right? I'm not saying, you know, I've done this with hundreds and hundreds of people and I really don't think I've ever not had an amazing experience with somebody tracking macros and going to tracking carbs and uh, protein, carb, sorry, calories and protein. Like when somebody transitions from all the macros to calories and protein, like I, I can't think of a time it wasn't this amazing aha moment of like, wow, this is so much more sustainable. But I'm sure there are people that that's not the case and I'm not judging you and that's awesome and if it works for you, I support you. And again, this is just my experience, but I do think it holds some weight just from the sheer number and percentage of times this, this has happened. Um, so cool, that's the discussion on carbs and fats. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of people out there that are gonna hang their hat on the, well, the more carbs means better gains. I think that I would, uh, not to kind of belabor that point again, but I would kind of question what that person's training looks like and if they really require fucking 
300 plus carbohydrates for four times a week, one hour hypertrophy training, just not, not likely uh, more meaningful than just letting that person track calories and protein and them getting a more moderate amount of carbohydrates. I think that person would either do just as well or the benefits would be outweighed by the sustainability benefits. I think that that is very likely uh, the case for everybody I'd say listening to this. All right, guys, thanks for listening. I'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Where Optimal Meets Practical. If you liked the episode, it would mean the world to me if you posted a screenshot to your social media or left a five-star review on iTunes. That stuff really helps. If you ever want to get in touch with me, just shoot me a DM on Instagram, at Jordan Lips Fitness. I'm always around to chat. Thanks, guys. Have a good one.